One, two, three, does that do anything? That went on? Okay, well, I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> they used to say, um, they were talking about, this is called a divided pulpit where you have the pulpit on one side and the, and the lecture, lecture on the other side. And somebody said that too many of our preachers didn't have enough to divide. But, and so I'm, I'm glad, I'll try to do everything from here. Uh, I think what I said first, I'll, I'll go over it again. Uh, and for those of you who didn't hear it, I heard it nicely. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that Arthur Holt is, has gone, the grandbaby came this uh, week, and, and uh, he and Penny and their daughter Hillary have gone up there. Uh, Arthur flew up later, and they left earlier, Hillary and, and uh, Penny. And the, the baby uh, came, I think, at 2 o'clock in the morning or some kind of wonderful time, and her name is Audrey May, and Arthur will be back uh, shortly. And and he'll be hard to live with. But they've been eager for this baby to come, and I'm glad that everything is well. Uh, for the kids, uh, uh, this is the last night of the regular Sunday night programs. Uh, they will be from 5 to 5.30 to 7 for the choir. The mission kids in the Bible study, uh, the first through the fifth grades are reminded of the handbells with Miss Jessica in the social hall at 5 p.m. Uh, today's the last day for buying cupcakes for the, the, the Relay for Life from the Mission Kids, and you're invited to do that. Uh, there's a word about the, the Family Fun Day at the ball field on May the 20th. Uh, you need to reserve your ticket, I think, by next Sunday, the 13th. The tickets are, are $7, and uh, the game, I believe, starts at 4, 4.05. Uh, if you haven't registered for the Vacation Bible School Operation Overboard, uh, which starts on June the 3rd, uh, you'll want to do that. It'll be meeting from 6 to 7.45 each night, and registrations are available in the gym or from uh, Katie. Two weeks from today, we'll be having the Senior Recognition Day, where we'll be recognizing those who have uh, graduated uh, and what a wonderful time that is. Uh, Ms. Jessica wanted me to ask you, uh, they, uh, in the bulletin, there was a need for four to five uh, men who would help set up the stage at the Family Life Center uh, this coming Saturday for the children's choir performance. They're pretty heavy, and, and, and Ms. Jessica can't do it. So if you would, would call her or call the or email her or, or call the church office, that would be helpful. Now, I think that that's not everything, but that's a good part of it, and, and I hope that you will read the other ones. And uh, there, there was one other one I forgot to, to mention that I was given, that 
if you uh, ordered a birdhouse from Sarah Catherine and you prepaid it, your birdhouse is here today. If you ordered one but you didn't prepay for it, uh, she'll have it ready next week. They're, they're $20 a piece. Other things are there about Luminaria and about Epworth Children's Home next week and that offering and how important those things are. But let us continue now as we worship God.
please turn to page 881 and join me as we affirm our faith together using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From this he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Be seated. The first scripture lesson comes from Acts, from chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Then Simon answered, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. And Philip, however, appeared at Elsar and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Would you please stand now as we uh, have the, the responsive reading on page 753. 753. We'll be beginning on the 25th verse. When you come, my praise in the great congregation. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before the Lord. For dominion belongs to the Lord who rules over the nations. For all the sleep of the earth shall bow down to the Lord. All who go down to the dust shall bow before the Lord, and I shall live for God. Each generation shall tell of the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn.
seated. Uh, I feel like the nervous bank robber who went into the bank and, and said when he got to the window, don't mess with, don't stick with me, this is a mess up. Uh, I, I think I, I left off the, uh, the children's moments, and if Allison is here and their children, okay. Can you come? Yes. I don't know what to do, but come. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't think this works, Allison. The epistle lesson comes from 1 John, from the fourth chapter, starting with verse 7. Dear friends, let us love another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his only one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God that he has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. And this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him, 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
join me now as we pray. Lord, we come to this holy place this day to thank you for the gift of life and your blessings to us. We're thankful for your love and for sending Jesus to show us the way to share with us the great good news of your love and of your grace. We're grateful for your church that has lifted us up in worship and in music and we've heard your word proclaimed through these years and we thank you. We gather today in this hour to hear that word afresh. Open our ears, open our hearts and help us hear what you would say to us this day. We pray this day for those who are sick. We pray for those who are anxious. We pray for those who are overjoyed with the birth of a new baby and the miracle of it. We pray for those who are seeking help and direction for life. As we come here this day, we come not because we're good, but we come, O oh God, seeking your holiness to touch our lives Surround us with your Holy Spirit, and may we say this day with the prophets of old, speak, Lord, for your servants here. We make this prayer in the name and in the spirit of the Christ who taught his disciples to pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God with our tithes, and with our gifts. <clears throat>
be seated. Here the gospel lesson as it comes to us from the 15th chapter of John's gospel. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Refrain in, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. May God bless both the reading and the hearing of this his holy word. Well, I'm glad to be here. I don't think I've ever had a Sunday just exactly like this. And, uh, but we're going to make the best of it. I, I realize that uh, this is what, when you get to be a pastor emeritus, this is what it's like. I thought of the old preacher, retired fella, that timed his sermons by a lifesaver, uh, put it in his mouth, and when the lifesaver was gone, it was time for him to quit. Uh, but one Sunday, the fellow made a mistake, and he put a button in. And uh, so if you think I've put a button in, you, you just hold on, and I'll be finished in a minute. Uh, as United Methodists, uh, we have some very deep roots. We go way back. Roots take some time, as, as Allison said in our children's moment, that roots are important. That's what it's about. And the deeper the roots, the stronger is the plant or the tree. A significant part of this sanctuary, you don't even see. It's underneath. If you look at the foundation, you'll see it's absolutely critical because that's why the, as, the, as the storms have come, as the rains have fallen again and again, You've got to have that foundation. And some people just don't have much foundation. Some people don't have any Methodist roots. I went to a new church one time, and I was talking to this man, and I said, uh, have you been at Methodist a, a long time? And he said, no. And I said, well, what were you before you came? He said, well, I'm a Methodist by marriage. And I as I served that church, I recognized what that really meant. Uh, this fellow had, had no connection to the church, and even worse, he didn't care about it, didn't want any connection. Uh, I have casual conversations with people. You have those, don't you, where you meet someone, strangers, you're going along, and you say, it's a lovely day, isn't it? And they say, yes, it is. How do you like all this hot weather? Boy, I hope it rains sometime. Yes, I do, too. Are you a Braves fan? You see that last game? Or did you see the Kentucky Derby yesterday? Wasn't that I'll have another? Wasn't that some awesome horse? Well, as, as conversations progress, I do this all the time as I'm talking to people. Uh, every now and then, they'll ask me a question. And they'll say, these are people I don't know. They'll say, uh, what do you do for a living? And that is a real showstopper. When you tell them, I'm a, I'm a retired Methodist minister, or I'm a Methodist minister, the, the conversation almost always comes to a screeching halt. <laughs> People change the subject. Or if they don't change the subject, what they say is, you know, my grandmother was a Methodist. And every time I can remember when I went to see her in the summer, she would take me to church. When you ask people about their denomination, uh, 
they often will say something. Uh, I ask people that sometimes. Well, where do you go to church? And that, that's a bad question. They don't like that. She said, for her husband, she said, well, he grew up Methodist, and I was kind of Baptist, and we sometimes go to that little church down the street. And then she said something that really astounded me. She said, it doesn't matter where you go, does it? Well, I sort of think it does. I think it matters whether or not you have some roots, whether you're in a place where you are nurtured and fulfilled. And, and the church is a place where we can feel connected. If, if you remember the choir and you, you don't come for a few times, Jessica will be asking about you. Lynn Clark, ask about you. Where, where are they? Are they sick? What's, what's going on with them? Do they need some help? Hopefully, somebody will ask about you or about me when we don't come. Uh, I, I think that usually when people who are regular in their attendance don't come, there's something going on. There's something in the family that's happening. Uh, where if you can miss worship, if you can miss children's programs, if you can miss youth programs and Sunday school classes and United Methodist Women and Men and no one asks about you, then somehow we're not connected very well. There was a man I read about several years ago. His name was Vincenzo Ricardo. It was an article that caught my eye. Ricardo was 70 years old. He was found dead by the police. He was sitting in a chair, and the television was still on. The medical examiner came, and the medical examiner said that, that uh, Ricardo died of natural causes. But the sad thing is, the medical examiner said he'd been dead over a year. He lived alone after his wife died. It's a tragic thing to me that over, if, although it was over a year, no one came to check on him. No one said they hadn't seen him. The police were called only when water was running out in the street and the cold, the freezing weather had burst the pipe. If we are to survive, Somehow the winds will blow in your life and my life. And when the rains fall and the winds blow and the storms of life come, it is, it is terribly impressive to me that we need to have some roots. Share with me a moment these few words in a message from the 15th chapter of John. The first thing that I see is that you and I must recognize where the source of our power is. Jesus said to them, abide in me as I abide in you. And this translation has, has been many times, they've changed it from abide to remain, to, uh, to stay, whatever. It doesn't really matter to me. But the important thing that Jesus was saying to his disciples, that it's important that you stay close. He mentions this eight times, abide, in these, four, in these four verses, four through seven. It's crucial that we recognize that when we are with Christ, when we live near him, then his words live within us. His spirit is within us. We're different people because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and of the Christ. That's what Paul said, is it not, in the second, his letter, second letter to the church at Corinth? When, when Paul said that when a person, a man, a woman is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. The old is gone, and the new has come. Jesus wanted his disciples to see the necessity of sticking close, of being united with the one who gives life and who gives power. Maybe you've been tempted, as I have, to sort of go it alone. Have you ever felt that? You know, I, I think I can handle it all by myself. I, I've said that a few times when life is bright, when things are going good. You know, and I said, it couldn't get any better than this. You've said that, haven't you? Oh, my, everything is wonderful. There, 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 I see blue skies up above. Everything is fine. And then, suddenly, the storms come, the rains fall, and I realize, Lord God, I've got to have some help. And the clarity of the gospel says that unless you remain in me, 
that you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in the vine, if you're not connected. I've never seen a branch of a peach tree bear any peaches. I've never seen a beautiful rose that's been clipped off of a, a, a lovely rose bush stay. You know, oh well, they live a day or two. And I've, I've heard all that mess about putting an aspirin in it. But the fact of the matter is that that, that rose is going to wilt over and die. That peach is, is going to shrivel up because it's not connected to the roots. And we Christians often talk a great game. We nod our affirmation and we say, you know, oh, in God I live and move and have my being. But if I'm honest, if you're honest, there are a lot of times where that's not exactly where I am. That's not where I start always, that he's not the source of, of my power or, or not the center of my being. All these other things get my attention. I remember reading a, of, a, of a man who had trouble with his horn on his car. And I like a horn on a car. You know, I like to toot it. Uh, Harriet doesn't like that, but I do. And this was a cold day, and this guy had his horn that wouldn't work. He wouldn't give it to. And so he went down to the garage, the mechanic's garage, to have it fixed. And the door was down, obviously, because it was cold. And the man was, was surprised when he saw that the door was down and it was cold. And there on the sign above, above the door, it said, Sound, stop, automatic door. The door blow your horn, it will open. I, I've been there a few times like that, where, where I was in the right place at the right time, but I couldn't open the door. I, I didn't have a horn to toot. We're confused sometimes by the power of sin. We're confused sometimes by what happens to someone that we dearly love. And in times like these, it doesn't really matter how much education you have, how many degrees you have on the wall. It doesn't really matter. What really matters is whether you have a faith that will see you through. And I'm here this morning to tell you that in such times as this, his power is sufficient. And we often in our busyness, we forget to take care of our faith. We, we forget to abide in him. I'm sure you've had the kind of experience I've had where I've stood there at that nursery window as Arthur Holt is doing and looking at that little baby and I've said to God in a prayer, Lord, I want to be a better man. I've stood by an open grave and I've seen someone that I love dearly gone and I've said, Lord, I, I want to be a better man. And I'm suggesting to you that all the good intentions we have and all the promises we make, sometimes they go astray. We can't pull them off by ourselves. It's not that we're dishonest. It's not that we're hypocritical. But somehow we don't have the power unless we're with that one who gives us the strength. And I want to remind you this morning that it's God's power. He's the source of it. The second thing that I want to share with you and think about is that in this story, there's some requirements that are made. He who does not dwell in me is thrown away like a withered branch, we find in verse 6. Every barren branch he cuts away. Well, I'm not much on pruning. I, I'm not the greatest pruner in the world. I'm sort of like this old man that was in my church. We had some awful shrubbery around the church. Y'all have seen awful. It, doesn't my church look great? Oh, my, my. But, but this church had awful shrubbery. It had gone too big, and everybody said, you know, somebody needs to do something. Now, that was a mistake because my friend Hubert, this old man about my age, he took the problem in hand. He not only took the problem in hand, but he took his chainsaw in hand. And he cut those things and pruned it that they never came back. 
It was a disaster and required a lot of work and a lot of money to make the church attractive again. I've seen pruning done, and I've seen it done effectively as people have, have known what they're doing. I've seen it with peach farmers as they prune the trees, and they tie them up and they spray them, and the reason they do all of this is so that they will have good peaches. But when they don't have good peaches, I've seen them also take a bulldozer and push up those trees that didn't produce and put them in a pile, and I've seen them on fire. And there are requirements in life. You know that. A professional football player knows that if he is going to stay on the team, that he's got to produce or he'll be cut from the roster. They don't pay him big bucks just to sit around. A college student often recognizes this, and some of them too late, that you've really got to study and make some grades to keep your scholarship or to stay in school, or else you'll have to, as they say, sit out a while. I'm sure that you heard of the little girl who, who fell out of bed one night and she told her mother, she said, I, I must have fallen asleep too close to where I got in. I, I wonder if that's not what happens to us, that we often think that that just joining the church or being confirmed, that that's all that matters. It's, it just matters to have your name on the roll. That's, that's all. But I want to promise you that it's more than that. It's more than that. You and I have to, have to say yes at that time, but there are all, it's the big yes. As we say, I want to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But... There are a lot of little yeses that come along the way that somehow we've got to come to the spot where we say, God, here am I. I don't know what you have in mind for me, but here am I. Use me, send me, guide me. There's nothing more exciting to me than a person who's learned to read. And I can remember, and you may remember when Millie Smith was here, a dear lady in our church, some of you who are older remember. I can remember her coming, walking, making that painful journey from the street in here to, and walking up to a classroom so she could teach a man who never had had the opportunity to read and she taught him to read and what a thrill that was for her and what that thrill is for me. Well, the, the point of the, of the Laubach method was that each one teach one, that, that if I teach you to read, you will in turn teach someone else to read. And that's really the way the good news is spread. It's spread because the, the gospel demands that we become sharers of the good news. This is what God in Christ has done for me, and this is what he will do for you. The third thing that I see in the last is a demonstration. As the fathers love me, so have I loved you. Dwell in my love. The demonstration is what we've got to have. We, we've got to live in a way that, that people recognize that there's something different about us, that we're not geeks, that we're not weirdos, but somehow they look at us and say, something has happened to this man, this woman, this boy, this girl. They're different. They're changed. I believe that people see that. That's what happened to the woman at the well. That's what happened to the woman that, that there who was taken in adultery. That's what happened to Zacchaeus. Somehow all of these people had a manifestation of something, the change that had taken place in their lives. And I want to tell you this morning that God is still changing lives. I, I believe that Sometimes it's hard to share this love with others. I had a church where several of the people in it went about often. They would say to people, to me and to everyone they met, God loves you and I love you. Have you ever heard that? God loves you and I love you. And there was this guy in my church who, who really was, he was all I could do to put up with. Have you all ever heard anybody like that? And and the best I could do was to say to him, God loves you and I'm trying. 
But we're called out in these difficult situations, we're called out by God to know that he will give us what we need, that we're not alone. I want to close with a story. I heard it years ago. I was at a missionary conference at Lake Junalusco, and I heard a missionary uh, called Spotty Spotswood. And he, he was home on furlough, and he was talking about an experience that he had there in the Philippines. There was an American who wanted to see the United, the, the Methodist Church at that time, wanted to see some of the mission work in the Philippines, so he came out to the Philippines, the American did. And Spotty said that, that there was a nurse there, a missionary nurse, and, and she took this American visitor up to the hills to, to see a man uh, who was dying with cancer. The smell of the, the cancer turned the American's stomach. As he watched this missionary nurse from America deal with this man tenderly who was dying of cancer. When they got outside, the American said to the missionary nurse, you know, I wouldn't do what you just did for a million dollars. And she smiled at him and said, neither would I. But I know this morning that what you and I wouldn't do for a million dollars because the love of Jesus resides in your heart and mine, we'll do it. And we'll do it not because we're strong, but because it's in his strength that we go. I believe that the United Methodist Church is strong, and I believe that as we, we share with people that, that he, God Almighty, is the source of our power, then we recognize that there's some requirements on you and on me if we're to stay firm and, and we stay faithful, and that we will certainly have a strong church as we demonstrate the love of Jesus to a needy world. We come together now to worship. We come as the church gathered. But after the benediction and the postlude, we go our way because we become the church scattered. May God bless us and help us as we go and live this week in his name. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace both now and forevermore.